in the New Testament, and we're exploring this question of what does it mean that we are free in Christ, that Christ has set us free. Uh, if you were able to be with us last week up at Cascades Camp for our annual all-church campout, uh, it was a great place to let the kids just run free out in the woods and, and, and around at the waterfront, and what a joy it was to be together. We had some 70 people who came out for the weekend and uh, we just enjoyed being in nature and being in community together. Of course, we missed being with you all here. Uh, it's been great to have some guest speakers uh, preaching as I've been on vacation and we were at the camp out. We had Pastor Greg uh, give a great message and of course, Pastor Dick has been filling in. And last week we had the honor of our very own Pastor Emeritus, Steve Starr, bringing the message. Wasn't that great? Don't be too enthused. I'm a little concerned, though, because as I listened to the message online, I found out that we've established a new dress code at the church, and apparently you have to preach in an ugly Hawaiian shirt, and <laughs> I don't have a Hawaiian shirt, so I think we're going to have to talk about whether that dress code's going to stick or not. Uh, I'm also a little concerned because <laughs> Pastor Steve was uh, playing, I guess, a game called Let's Make a Deal, and he was... Uh, um, having some of our kids be tempted by these big shiny gifts and doing kind of a bait and switch thing or something like that. I'm not sure. And then he tried to bribe them with money. Uh, we're going to have to talk to Pastor Steve a little bit about, uh, about that as well. It is truly an honor, though, to have uh, Pastor Steve, who uh, was the lead pastor here for 20 years, uh, to be able to come and, and bring the message and to share uh, God's word with us. And he, it was a great illustration, this idea of let's make a deal, right? Which gift would you choose, the big shiny gift or the, uh, the less desirable gift? Now, we have to get video, I think, and not just audio, because I didn't know what the gift was until the very end of the sermon. I guess it was a little rubber ducky, right, was the gift that, that came out of the, the, the big, nice, shiny package. Um, how tempting is it for us as Christians to, to trade in this wonderful gift that we've received, this forgiveness and this grace through Jesus Christ, uh, for something that looks good on the surface, uh, a desire to be able to manage and control our own lives, to, to, to go for our own satisfaction through our own efforts, and to miss the whole point of the gospel, that it doesn't always come in a big shiny package. Sometimes it's the simplest thing that is the, the best thing for us. And that's really what was going on in the churches in the region of Galatia, which is now modern-day Turkey, when Paul went as a missionary and planted several churches and, and, and set them on this path, this, this race, as he called it, to, to run the race, this Christian life of following Jesus. And we learned as we've gone through the letter that there were a group of Christian missionaries who then followed him from Jerusalem, these Jewish Christians who came along and said, yes, this, this Jesus message is true, but you also have to follow the old religion just Jewish traditions in order to be a, a true Christian, in order to f experience the fullness of the gospel. Yet for Paul, seeking to please God by keeping to the system of Old Testament laws was actually turning away from this gift that we've received in Jesus. It's a turning away from life in the power of the Spirit. It was essentially what Paul called a return to life in the power of what he called the flesh. And it's a term for which Paul means not just uh, uh, giving into our, our, our bodily desires, but trying to live life in our own power, in our own strength, apart from the supernatural power of the Spirit in our lives. For Paul, that's really what living life in the flesh was about. And the reality is, as we've been learning, is that even as Christians who come to church Sunday after Sunday, we can do the Christian life in the power of the flesh, or we can try to. 
and, and not realize that it was never intended to be something that we do by our own effort or to, to earn by our own merit, but it only comes as the free gift and through the power of God's Spirit at work in our lives. What we've talked about is that when any group of Christians begin to create boundaries around this life of faith about who's acceptable to God and who's not based on their own church's traditions, essentially begin to form in their own kind of legalism that gives them a sense of who's in and who's out and who's in control. Uh, I, I was uh, re- really intrigued by Pastor Steve talking about his own progression through church traditions in, in, in a full life of ministry, right? How he started preaching in robes, and then pretty soon the robe went away, and it went to a, a coat and tie, and then the, the coat disappeared, and, and it was just the shirt and tie, and all the way now to ugly Hawaiian shirts, right? <laughs> But you see, these are, these are human traditions that, that change, and all of our traditions are always morphing and changing and transforming. And the, the risk is that if we focus on the wrong things, if we focus on the traditions and, and the rules and how to do it correctly, we can miss the whole point that God has invited us into an experience of relationship with him through the presence and the power of the same spirit that Jesus had, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. We've talked about how the starting point for the Christian life is always the gift of God's grace. We've said there's nothing that you have done that can make God love you less. And there's nothing you can do that will make God love you more, right? That's the gospel in a nutshell. That's the good news. That's the gospel that the Judaizers were missing in Galatia and that Paul wants us to over and over again through this letter come back to our primary focus on the grace of God is the starting point for you and for me. If we want to experience true freedom in our lives and to experience the joy that he has offered us in Christ. When we accept Christ and we receive the power of his spirit in our lives, Paul is telling us, we end up living out the very lifestyle that God intended for us to live. It shows us how much, not not how good we are, but how good God is and how much we need his power in our lives. Rather than becoming religious rule keepers, we begin to demonstrate that God's power in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to look at today in Galatians 5, manifests itself as God works in us, His character, His love, His grace that He invites us to give away to others. We become free to run the race in our own spiritual lives because we're willing to put aside anything else that would hinder us or distract us. I want to invite you to turn to the letter of Galatians, and we are, as I said, going to be looking in chapter 5. We're going to be covering the entire chapter, but there's going to be points that I'm going to stick on and highlight because there's a lot there, and as with Paul's writing, it's so often thick, it's hard to you know, unpack everything. So we're, we're going to fly through points, but we're going to hover on other points that are going to help us to hopefully simplify what Paul is wanting to say so we can keep our focus on true north. In verse 1 of chapter 5, he reminds us, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You see, it's this experience of freedom in Christ that Paul is saying God wanted us to have. And and when we allow ourselves to go back to thinking that somehow it's about our own merit, our own effort, or it's religious rule keeping or being good enough, we miss the experience of the freedom that God has for us in Christ. He goes on to say, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, now this is a sign of this Old Testament religious keeping, right? It's a sign that, that, that there's something more than just accepting Christ's gift that you have to do in order to be acceptable to God or acceptable to others around you. If you allow yourselves to be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. 
Again, I declare to you, to every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. See, that's, that's the crux of his point there. By trying to justify ourselves through our own efforts by, by religious law or rule keeping, we, we end up alienating ourselves from the very Christ who set us free from having to do all of that. You have fallen away from grace. For through this... For the, for though the spirit i'm sorry for through the spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love now let's pause there for a minute the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love that's a pretty simple direct statement and yet how hard is it really for us to live that out Think about that one statement of Paul. The only thing that counts in Christ, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. How how would your life be different if that was your motto for every day you wake up and you say, okay, I'm going to live my life of faith today. How do I express my faith in love? What if, what if every moment of, of your day was focused on how do I give expression to this faith that I have by loving those that God would want me to love throughout my day? In Christ Jesus, Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Now, I want to talk about this in two different ways this morning to hopefully help us get our minds and our, our hearts around the invitation that Paul is really giving us through this letter. The first thing I'd like to say is that the Christian life, Paul is telling us, maybe in more of our modern language, is not simply a personal self-improvement program. Okay? The Christian life is not primarily a personal self-improvement program. True, there may be times when we grow in our faith and we, we experience life change and we celebrate how we've become better and more than we were before, but, but it's not about doing that through our own self-effort. In fact, Christianity is more of an, a, an abandonment of self-effort, Paul is going to say. It's a letting go of the expectations that we have of ourselves and that others have of us to be good enough, to be able to, to manage lives on our own, to be able to, to overcome our own temptation and our sin through the strength of our own willpower and our discipline. First and foremost, Paul says, if you live in the Spirit, your faith will express itself in love. Now, it's important for us to understand that for for Paul, love was not this idea of fuzzy, romantic human passion. When we think of love, we we live in such a romanticized culture, we we always think of love as this warm, fuzzy human passion. But but for Paul, he takes us back to the, the, the scandal of the cross, as his example of what true love is. God reveals to us what love is by how he first loved us, in that when we were not even deserving of his love, when we were still lost in our sin, he chose to give the life of his son Jesus to save us and to rescue us from our sin. That's not the kind of love that we see romanticized in our movies and in our, in our books and in our TV shows, right? The kind of romantic love is more of a transactional love. I'll love you if you love me, but if you do me wrong, watch out. You know, it's game on because then it becomes this game to see who can do the other person the most wrong. See, the the, the Christian kind of love is a totally foreign concept to our, our, our natural tendency for how we love through our own human passions. The Bible clearly teaches us that the Christian life is intended to be a supernatural life that doesn't come from our own hearts, but it comes through the Spirit of God working in us. 
by which we draw direction and encouragement and strength. And in this sense, it can only come as a gift. Too often, we can get distracted from the truth of the gospel by our own desires to manage and control our lives. And that's why why Paul goes on in verses 7 through 21 to talk about this idea that that, that it's not a personal self-help program because we're caught in in this, this addictive kind of lifestyle that we need rescue from. So in verse 7, he continues to talk about how you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. You see, the the offense of the cross is this idea that there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you have to do. It only comes as a gift. And and that's offensive to those who would say, no, it's about how good you are. It's about having to earn it yourself. It's about, you know, building a stairway to heaven. Christianity is the only religion that says there's nothing you can do religiously to save yourself. You only can receive it as a free gift. It's only God's work in our lives. He says, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. (laughs) Paul was pretty heated about this topic, right? Because he doesn't want people to get distracted from this amazing gift that God has available. You, my brothers and sisters, he says in verse 13, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will destroy each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Then he goes on to list all the different kinds of acts of the flesh. And we're going to pause there again and and, and focus on this idea that, that one of the ways that we can begin to understand this challenge that we have to live the freedom of the Christian life is that sin, in, in, in our modern language, can be kind of like an addiction, right? Uh, for those who've experienced a substance abuse, the, the definition of, of, of an addiction is a reliance on a substance or a behavior that an individual has little or no power to resist. There, 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 there's this there's a pull that, that overcomes our will and, and prevents us from being able to choose healthy, wise choices. And, and even though we might intellectually know that the choices that we're making are not healthy for us, we, we go ahead and do it anyway. And, and, and it's easy for us to see that in, in, in people who are addicted to substance abuse and alcohol or, 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 or other kinds of abu- uh, addictive behavior that we see in our lives, in our culture. But we have to understand that according to the Bible, we're all addicted to this thing that the Bible calls sin. We're all pulled away by this temptation to live life in our own strength, to, to turn our hearts from God and to, to ignore the presence and the power of his spirit in our lives and to do it our way. And, and, and even though in our minds we might say, no, we want to follow God with all that we have and all that we are, when, it comes, when push comes to shove, right, in our 24-7 lives, 
it's so hard to, to say yes to the Spirit, and it's so easy to say yes to our, our flesh, our, our, our human nature, to want to do it in our own strength, in our own way. We're supposed to be submitting ourselves to God, but instead we submit ourselves to our own desires and our own temptations, and, and many of that, these kinds of things lead us into other forms of addiction. If you think about this idea of recovery, right, from addiction. Recovery, according to the Bible, isn't just simple, uh, a simple makeover, right? It's not going in and changing the outer uh, surface of our lives. It's, it's not just the outward facade, but it's a, it, it's a change of the very heart of the inner being of who we are. It's something that we all need, and it's something that only God can do. But Paul says, don't use your freedom to indulge that sinful nature. Don't use your freedom to indulge life without God, But once we're free, we're like, thanks, God, now I can go back and do it on my own again, right? That's the temptation. He says, the condition of living apart from God's guiding influence of the Holy Spirit is to fall back into that sinful nature. In one sense, if you have the law, you don't need the Spirit, right? Paul's saying, we can become addicted to our own religion. We can become addicted to our our faith. We can become addicted to our our church and our way of doing it. So much so that we, we don't even need the Holy Spirit anymore, right? We've got our systems and our processes, and we know how we're doing it. And, and if God shows up or not, it doesn't really matter because we've got our plan, right? We've always said, one of the best places to hide from God is in the church, because all of the outward expressions can say that you're following God, but, but you haven't looked at the condition of your heart. And Paul is encouraging us to go back and understand that the law was never intended to be a solution to the problem of the human, fart, human heart. It never... <laughs> that one is going to be come back, right? I'm not even going to repeat it. Uh, because... While it showed us where we cross the line in our behavior or in our preaching, <clears throat> it never offered any power for us to not cross the line. We're always going to be crossing that line. We're always going to be tempted to, to turn our hearts away from God and to, to trust in ourselves and to seek our own desires. So to go back to focus on the law was, was to focus on the symptoms of the addiction, and to, and to focus on human behavior rather than the solution, which is a transformation of the human heart. See, the solution is that God has made real power available for us to experience the transformation of our very inner being, not just our external behavior. All those things that we struggle with within ourselves, if truth be told, that we don't like about ourselves, that we're frustrated with, that continually bite us in the rear end when we're trying to do good and we end up doing those things that we always come back to and struggle with. God has provided a solution for that. But it's not working harder. It's not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's actually getting on your knees and humbling yourself before God and saying, God, I don't have the ability to do it on my own. I can only do it through your power. And in that sense, again, it only comes as a gift. We have to come before God and say, God, I need you to rescue me. I need you to recover me from the lost, sinful person that I am. Paul says that those who now live in the power of the Spirit do not need a law because that Spirit empowers them and enables them to become what God had intended from the beginning. But if truth be told, sometimes we'd rather have the law, wouldn't we? 
We'd rather have some kind of a a, a 10-step process that if we just follow it, it's going to solve all of our problems. We'd rather have a 12-step program that if we just go through and follow those 12 steps, that somehow at the end of that that process, we're going to be transformed. But we've never been forced to make the decision of who is really in control of our lives. Is it me, or have I truly submitted to this presence and the power of God in my life? Have I made that decision to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Yeah, I might want to accept the free gift of a get-out-of-hell-free card and I get to go to heaven when I die. But the real question is, have you submitted to Christ now and are you following him through the power of his spirit as your Lord and Savior today, this afternoon, tomorrow, when you leave this place and you go back to work and you go back to your family? Are you living in the power of the spirit or are you still living in your own flesh? Within ourselves, we're powerless to fulfill what God requires. See, and Paul is so up in arms because the Galatians allowed themselves to become focused on all of the external systems of life, all of the external religiosity of Christianity, and they never realized that in doing so, they were turning their back on the very one thing that was the solution to their deepest problem and their deepest need, the gift of the Spirit in their lives. As evidence of this fact, they were fighting with each other and mistreating one another and their own sinful natures and addictive personalities were showing through. That's why he goes through this this list of, of concerns about what happens when you start following the desires of the flesh. And if you look at that list, which we're not going to go through today because we don't have time, but if you read through that list, you'll see that almost every one of those things is an interpersonal issue. It creates problems in community and it creates problems in our relationships because sin comes in and it destroys destroys the love that we have for one another, and it creates selfish, me-first people, and we live in a culture of selfish, me-first people, and I think that's evidence that we're, none of us are, are following the Spirit in the way that God would desire, but instead we're trying to do it in our own strength, and it never works out that way. The other thing that I think we can learn is there's, there's an analogy, not only is sin like an addiction, that we have to be recovered from. We can't, you know, do it in our own strength. But the Bible says that, that there's a war going on in this world. There's a war going on between good and between evil. And, and, and God is inviting us to discover that that war is not just something that's raging out there in the world, but that same war between good and evil is being waged inside your heart and in my, in my heart. In this very moment, in this very day, every day, that war between good and evil, that choice between are we going to live for God or are we going to live for ourselves is being waged within our own, the battlefield of our own heart. That's why it's such a conflict and a struggle within us. Not one of us can escape this war. It's a battle that is raging inside each one of us. And, and, and that's why it's not just some personal psychological struggle that we're dealing with that can be cured by simply walking through 10 easy steps to find happiness. Paul is telling us that when you and I live in God's spirit, we we overcome the power of this evil world that is embedded in our own hearts. That sinful nature that is at work within us and the power of the law with its power to condemn us. And as we receive that power to overcome, we become part of the solution because his love flows through us in new and amazing ways. See, the Christian life isn't about keeping rules. The Christian life is about life in the power of the Spirit. A person who has fully surrendered themselves to God experiences the freedom of living life in the Spirit. 
That's why he goes on to say, and this is the most important piece, I think, of almost his whole letter in verses 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, right? If you, if you could think about what, what, would you, what kind of fruit, you know, what, what kind of experience of your life would you like to have? If you could list the kinds of things that, that you would life, like your life to be, this would be a pretty good list, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I love that. Against such things, there is no law. Paul's saying, you can't love too much. You can't be too patient. You can't have too much joy. You don't have to worry about going too far in these things because this is the very manifestation of the life and the character of God in you, and it's what he designed you for. It's the experience of life and freedom that he wanted you to have, and it's why he sent his son Jesus, because he wants you to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If all of us were living in these kinds of things, man... It would be a good life, wouldn't it? And yet, why is it so hard for many of us to experience these things? Why is it so hard for our world to experience these things? Why is our world and our lives so different? Because Paul is saying we're allowing ourselves to be distracted from the gift that he's made available. We're allowing ourselves to think that somehow we have the wisdom and the strength to do life in our own power. And we miss all of these good gifts that only come through his spirit at work in our lives. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, he said, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, Tammy and I had the pleasure of doing the uh, rock and roll half marathon to raise money for World Vision and Covenant Kids Congo. And, and, and Dick shared this story a, a few weeks ago, but I, I wanted to share it again because it, it's a real-life example of when we started training, um, I, Tammy's in a little better shape than I am. And, uh, and we'd go out, and she wanted to go run, right? She wanted the freedom to go at her own pace. And, and I would kind of go a little slower and, and have my pace. Uh, and we were doing it together, but we weren't together, right? And the more we went through the train, the more we realized, you know, it's, it, it's better to go side by side, to, to keep in step with one another because the experience of it is totally different. There, there's a sense that we were training together, but we were doing it differently or separately, and there's an experience of walking step in step. And what Paul is saying is that God has given you this gift of the Holy Spirit because he wants you to experience life with God in a step-by-step manner. He wants you to walk in step with God through his Spirit. You can have the experience where, yeah, I'm a Christian, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was four years old, I grew up in the church, I'm a believer, I know the Bible backwards and forwards, but but the Holy Spirit could still be, you know, uh, 50 yards out ahead of you. And you can feel isolated and alone in your faith. You can feel uh, isolated and alone in your experience of church. We we, we can be alone in a crowd of people because you're not having that experience that, that God is right there next to you step by step throughout each moment of the day. But we want to experience, when we want to experience that freedom of Christ, it comes from that sense that the presence of God is with me right now in this moment. I love that song, right? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Because it's that presence of God that allows us to go, you know what? 
I don't just believe God is real. I know God is real, right? Because why? I've met him. He's, he's right here beside me. It's that experience that, that God has rescued me from my lostness, not just because uh, I, I'm a good person, but because I'm with God now. God is with me and he's in me. See, Paul's not creating a new list of religious rules to follow. He's inviting us into a whole new experience of running with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. I just want to wrap up with a few questions for us today. What are we really trying to recover from? What are you, this morning, coming to church, knowing that that none of us is perfect, we all make mistakes, we all struggle with this sin nature, the war is waging in each one of us at this very moment, what is it that you're trying to recover from? What is it that you hope to be recovered from this morning? And and, and the follow-up question is, are you willing to open that area of your life and give it to God? Are you willing to allow the Spirit to take control in that area of your life? What keeps you and me from running the race in our own lives? What is it that tempts us to live our lives apart from the Spirit's power? See, the Christian life is not intended to simply be a pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps-work-harder kind of life. It's intended to be a life of letting go and letting God. It's a life in the Spirit, and it's a relationship in the journey. The other question I'd like to ask is, are you living in the Spirit today? Am I? Are we living in the presence of the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to be God's presence and God's love and God's grace to us? Because it's as we do that that we see the love and the patience and the kindness and the fruit of the Spirit begin to manifest themselves in our lives. And as they do, that's what becomes our experience of the Christian life. Or do you continue to try and live out life in your own power in your own flesh, in your own strength? And if so, how's that working for you? I can tell you how it's working for me. See, when, when, when I try and, and trust in my own strength, in my own power, I, I start to realize, you know what? I am never going to be able to do this. I'm not going to accomplish all the things on my to-do list. I'm not going to be able to lead our church into this next life season of life and, and with the mission and vision that God is calling us to. I, I can't do that. I become overwhelmed. I become afraid. I become fearful. And I begin to feel anxious. And, and, and I feel stress. And you understand that, that fear and anxiety and stress are all symptoms and signs that we're trying to do life in our own strength. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's the the telltale mark that we are relying on ourselves and we're not putting our trust in God and we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to truly lead. Are you living in the Spirit today? Paul reminds us and invites us to understand that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, that, that fleshly nature with its passions and its desires and I would say its anxieties and its stresses and its fears. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I'm going to invite the worship team to come and join us. I want to pray for us this morning. As you guys come, I'm going to do something a little uh, unusual that we don't often do, but I'm going to add a song into the repertoire, and I'm going to ask you guys to redo Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here, and then do our closing song. Would that be cool? Would you pray with me? Holy God, we come recognizing our need to be recovered from ourselves. We recognize that 
even though we may have walked with Jesus for years, we are also tempted to live life in our own strength, to, to give up on this free gift of grace and mercy and the power of your spirit in our lives and to try and do it on our own. God, would you forgive us for the ways that we have taken the reins and to open our hands and open our hearts to your spirit this morning, to recognize that through the power of your spirit and your presence in our lives, we are free to run through life, to free, to keep in step with you and experience no guilt, no shame, and the power to become the very people that you've called us to be. God, we ask that you would bless us and that you would call us forward as a church to live in the power of the Spirit and to see your fruit manifest in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. <laughs>